0: From the Theology of the Body Institute, this is...
1: The Ask Christopher West
0: Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Hi, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. I have to clear my throat, pardon me. Let's try that again. I think I'm better now. (laughs) (laughs) I am fresh back from Australia... Uh, it was a marvelous trip, grace-filled. I taught the Love and Responsibility course to about 80 students. And wow, what a, what a journey we went on. Um, I'm still recovering. The, the jet lag, man, it knocked me for a loop. You get there and you have, it takes about six or seven days to adjust. And guess what? That's right about the time I had to get on a plane and come back and do it all over again. And that was a week ago, based on this recording time, and I am still hurting, and lover, and you know it. You've seen it. You've know, witnessed it. It I was know. not fun. But
1: but the time there yeah. was really beautiful. I, I um, One of the things with not adjusting to the time very well is that sometimes you're awake when you should be sleeping, and that actually gives us a little
0: opportunity to talk. It does, with the radical time change.
1: Yeah, The difference in our timing sometimes if he did sleep through the night, we, we would might, never we would never get to talk. <laughs> we might not have a conversation. <laughs> That's true. But because you're up in your Australian night, which is during my day, that allowed us to catch up. And I kept getting these updates about really just beautiful graces uh, and gifts in that week long course. So I'm yeah, so happy shout about out
0: that. to all my Aussie students and Kiwi students, and there are students from uh, I think Oceana and. Um, some Asian countries. Forgive me, I'm forgetting, but it it was a really beautiful group, and we we dove deep into the great wisdom of John Paul's philosophical work, Love and Responsibility. And I really want to encourage this. Goes along with, you know, we usually do promotions for what's going on at the institute. Right. We are offering the online version of Love and Responsibility on march 11th to the 22nd 2024 so check out the link below if you want to really enter into and and this is the gift of love and responsibility it's a it's a philosophical reflection on the love of man and woman and that means it gives us the tools to enter into conversation with anyone about the truth of the love of man and woman without talking about faith and biblical revelation. Uh, obviously, we should never be ashamed of that, but we all know in our secular world, uh, we really need tools to enter into conversations just with human reason, just speaking on a level of human reason about the dignity of the person, what a human person is. This is a philosophical look about at what the human person is, the dignity of the human person, Uh, What's the difference between being something and someone? And one of the things that really came to light was what the culture is placing its value on when it comes to human sexuality is sexual pleasure. What the church places its value on is the dignity of the person. When you put sexual pleasure as the highest value, the person ends up being treated as something a means to pleasure when you place the dignity of the person as your highest value well now you're learning what it means to love that's going to that means i sometimes have to sacrifice my pleasure for the dignity of the person rather than ever sacrificing the dignity of the person for my pleasure mm. that's the crux of the difference and you can enter into a conversation just at a level of human reason and also, this is the great gift of John Paul's philosophical approach, a deep reflection on human experience. We know it because we know it because we know it, not because the Pope told us, not because uh, our parents told us. We know it in our own experience. When we are being used rather than loved, it, is, it hurts. It's contrary to our dignity as a person. That's why it hurts. And it's a great, great in To So many conversations we need to be having in our world today. So I I urge anybody, everybody out there listening, please, please consider taking the online Love and Responsibility course, which is co-taught by yours truly and dear friend and colleague Jeanette Clark. She and I studied together at the John Paul II Institute back in the day. That was a long time ago. I know. That was 1995 that you and I met Jeanette. Yep. And she's been a dear friend all these years. And she is married to Jason Clark, who is the executive director of the Theology of the Body Institute.
1: And I think you have another update about the Theology of the Body Institute while we're, you know, talking about the Institute. yeah, 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 you share with our listeners? Yes, we have a very
0: interesting problem on our hands Uh uh, created by yours truly. Uh And I need all of you to consider helping with this very good problem to have. Uh, some weeks ago I was on Pints with Aquinas. Uh, many of you will be familiar with Matt Fred's show on YouTube. And he and I filmed a few episodes together. And by the way, yeah. this reminds me. Oh, you spoke about love and responsibility. Yeah, well, Matt Fred and I did a mini-series on love and responsibility. That's right. Um, which will be released soon. And and yeah, it's um, compared to the the online course, which is a 30-hour course, Matt and I had like a six-hour conversation mm-hmm. about love and responsibility it'll come out in six about hour-long episodes um but i'm just reminded of that i'll say more about that on a future episode because it's not released yet but i'll keep you posted on it but i was just reminded of it the point i want to make is on matt frad's pints with aquinas i said uh, we are talking about sterilization and and is it necessary to get a reversal? And it's not strictly necessary if you've had a sterilization to get a reversal because you might not be able to get a reversal. You might not have the money. You might be a high-risk medical patient, et cetera. Well, I wanted to take the money out of the equation.
1: Right.
0: And I said said on Matt's show, look, if anybody's out there who's interested in a reversal and you don't have the money, please contact me and I will find the money to – Help make it happen. I will do whatever I can. That's, you know, that's all I can do. I will do whatever I can to find the money to help make that happen. So I made that announcement a few weeks ago on Pints with Aquinas. Mm -hmm. And thanks be to God, this is a good problem to have. So many people have reached out Mm -hmm. and said, um, in fact, Matt just contacted me the other day saying, somebody contacted him saying that he was canceling his vasectomy uh, appointment because he saw that episode. Uh, but many have, have written in saying how much they regret their sterilization and they would like to get a reversal and they need financial help to do that. So I'm not Mr. Moneybags myself where I can afford to to pay for all these. Um, if you total up the requests we've got, it's in the neighborhood of $100,000 mm. to cover the surgery, surgeries for people who want reversals but can't afford, and insurance doesn't pay for these because mm-hmm. it's an elective. So, we are relying on people like you out there who believe in what we're doing and want to be of direct service to real people who are in need of our help to live out the church's teaching. We have set up um, a little fund at the Theology of the Body Institute. We'll have the link below. Uh, it's just Theology of the Body dot com and then donate um but we would ask if you go to that donate page it'll take you to a paypal page where you can donate to the tob institute Uh, but it will it will ask you what is this for in the in like a line under your donation you put in your amount and then it says what is this for and we would ask you just so we can make sure that this is going to the right place when it says what is this for please type in reversals. Um, and we will make sure that 100% of what you donate will go to help real couples in real situations who want to live out the church's teaching, regret what they've done, want to get a st- sterilization reversal, and and can't afford it. So would you please, please help us do that? Mm. We need to raise about $100,000. Uh, you'll be hearing from us in upcoming episodes as well, because I want to I want to really put into practice what I said I would do, which I would do whatever I could to help raise the money. Right. So that's
1: that's that. I am in awe of the response. Yeah. And I, I feel the Lord smiling on this whole situation. I think he's going to do amazing things.
0: Yeah. And, and, Wendy, I don't know if you knew this, but we already put in some money to, to help oh, these. Oh, good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. So,
0: yeah, I'm putting my money where my mouth is, but I, I don't have $100,000 just sitting around to pay for all these. So... We need your help. So, thank you, everybody. really, really appreciate your help. You'll see the link in the show notes. Yes.
1: Are you ready for a question from one of our patrons here? Let's do it. Okay, this is from a patron named
0: Major. Hi, Major.
1: Hello, Christopher and Wendy. Thank you so much for just giving your whole lives to the Lord through this ministry. I recently was praying the joyful mysteries of the rosary and heard the verse where the angel Gabriel tells Mary... Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I don't know why. I just could not focus on the rest of the mysteries because Mm. I was hyper-focused on that one verse. I started to think to myself, God told Mary that he liked her.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that.
1: That's good. Then that led me to think. God says he loves all his creation, but does he like all of his creation?
0: Oh, wow.
1: If God can tell some people he likes them, how can I know if he likes me? Does God need to like me? I became so passionate and excited about this question that my first thought after that was to ask you guys what you thought about this. Do you ever wonder if God likes you? Are liking and loving even different things, or are they one and the same?
0: Wow. Wow. Major, I can tell you this. I like you. Like I I really like you, Major. That's that's really great that you you paid attention to what was going on in your heart first of all. And you said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, that that one line is standing out to me." I encourage everybody whenever that happens, do exactly what Major did. Like zoom in. Like, "Okay, why is this one line from the scripture speaking to me?" It can open up worlds of wonder and beauty and amazement and glory in the things of God. This is the gift of scripture. Just one line like that, that you've heard a thousand times can suddenly jump out at you and like, whoa, what, why is that jumping out? Spend time just like major did asking questions like this major. Yeah. These are, these are, these are deep personal questions. Like it it taps. I can feel it in my own core even as i attempt to answer this question which i will do really inadequately <clears throat> i feel it in my own bones how deep it goes and and is there a distinction between love and like there's kind of you know a commandment to love everybody but there's not a commandment to like everybody and and love for it to be love it has to be voluntary but but we know when we're making distinctions like this there's a there's something even more personal about being liked at some level than being loved. Mm-hmm. Um, Wendy, I I oh, gosh, it goes really deep. Oh. Like it really goes deep. <laughs> like I know you love me. Yes. But I also know you. You. <laughs> I know you like me too. It's true. <laughs> and I'm really glad you love me. And I know you'd love me even if you didn't like me. Oh no, that's a sad thought. I know, I know, but I'm, I'm, trying to artic- <laughs> I'm trying to articulate what's going on in me. And I know sometimes it's you know I, I cause you pain, and it's hard to like me in certain moments. We had a moment just last night in bed where I knew you didn't like me so much in that moment. <laughs> not in bed, in, in, as in, in, in bed, a, bed it's a like, conversation. In conversation <laughs> yeah. in bed, not in, not in our.
1: That did sound funny.
0: It's yes, not in our marital bed intimacies. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. In our be-
1: <laughs> in a conversation in a
0: conversation right. in our bed last night, yeah. I could tell you were having a hard time liking me in that moment because there was something painful, and that's all, that's you know all within the pale of human relating. Um, but yeah, I, I think there is a distinction here, and it's fascinating. Does God like me? Does God like me? Um be not afraid you have found favor with God. He says to Mary, I think major is, is onto something very intimate, very personal, very beautiful, very profound in, in asking the question. Um, and I, I, I want to be liked by God. And I, I, I know he smiles at me. Uh, I, I know there are things I do that God doesn't like. Um, just as I know there are things I do that you don't like. Me too. Uh, and I do things that my kids don't like, and I do th- all kinds of things that make me unlikable. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know that I can say much more other than I really honor the profundity of the question and and I tap something really deep because we want to be liked. Um is this, is this a distinction? I don't know. I'm just musing here, but love is never anything we can earn. Love is never anything in terms of God's love for us and genuine human love, right? It's nothing we can earn. It's freely given. It's undeserved. Um, is there something about being liked that is more in the... I deserve it, uh, or I've done something that's worthy of it, or or I've done something that pleases you, that you like. Uh, we use this word differently. Sometimes, you know, like our kids will say when they have a crush on somebody or they're talking about their friends who have crushes or whatever, oh, he really likes her. Well, that has another meaning altogether. Um, and it's, it's almost like bordering on that kind of romantic love thing but we don't really want to use that word for some reason. So we say like, cause it's softer. Um, I don't know, Wendy, what are your thoughts? I'm kind of rambling at this point. Do you I, think, do you think, and can you answer my question though? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Do you think when we say so-and-so likes me, um, that it's because we've done something that makes us worthy of being liked or that we've, we've found someone's favor because we've, We've been particularly pleasing to that person. What do you think going on?
1: I think what we feel is that our uniqueness is recognized and yeah. appreciated, and I cannot imagine that the God who made us unique doesn't like the uniqueness that He made. Yeah,
0: that's I like that. Um, There's that word,
1: and I think, I think one of the like a fruitful thing when pondering this for major or for anyone else is to ask the lord to show you what he likes about you cuz sometimes the things that the lord planted in us that make us unique have been you know dismissed or shut yeah. down and so i think one of the great fruits of, of pondering this is to is to start to see more clearly what, what is your unique gift it's from the Lord, but he wants you to share it in the world, and he likes when you do.
0: Yeah, that's good, Wendy. I, I really like your unique ability to understand what it means when we say we want to be liked. Because <laughs> 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 I, couldn't, I couldn't quite get there. Like, I feel it. Yeah. I feel it deeply. Even as you articulate that, I, like, I'm getting choked up because, like, man, it taps such a deep— need mm-hmm. to know that we're not only lovable, but we're likable. Like yeah. that, it almost goes deeper uh, somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I think this is a place where the enemy really comes after us. Uh, he, he, he wants us not only to think we're unlovable, but maybe even more, he wants us to think we're unlikable. And that's really, man, I feel it. It's painful. Mm-hmm. Um, it taps some, some deep rejection wounds in my own life uh, that I've, I've had to spend a lot, a lot of years as an adult looking at and putting in the light. And, and yeah, there, is, there are times when I feel in a very particular way the Lord's pleasure in my unique personhood. And your pleasure, I feel it often through your pleasure in my unique personhood, love. You have a particular gift to recognize my unique personhood and and like it. Um, and man, what a what an affirmation that is. What a deep... And you know what makes it all the more meaningful? Like, you know, last week I was in Australia teaching, and I would guess that you know, there might have been a few students in the course who, for some reason, didn't like me or didn't like my approach or whatever. That's just humanity. Um, but I would—I think it's safe to say, based on all the feedback I got, that, you know, the large majority of my students really, really like me. And they really like my gift that I bring. And they like my teaching style. And, but they don't live with me. They don't sleep in the same bed with me. They don't see all my faults and failings. They see some of them, but they don't see them like you do. And they don't have to live with all that. And the fact that you still like me, it's easy for somebody to like somebody when you don't see all the faults and you're not pained by those faults. You can maybe see them from a distance, but they don't really impact you directly. But when you live with somebody for 28 years, you know my faults, and you know how much they, they can cause you pain. Um, and you still like me. Like that, that's, that's really meaningful.
1: I just want to share with our listeners, because yeah. I, I have been smiling and appreciating all your sharing. I just want to say, for myself, there is almost like a wonder about the fact that you like me. <laughs> so <laughs> when you express it or show it, I'm like, Really? Wow, there's so I can, I can hundred percent relate to what you're saying, and it it is like mind-boggling in some ways. I
0: think I really like you, Wendy.
1: I, I I know you say that, and that's amazing to me. But here's, I just want to say this: like a lot of think about the like thumbs up likes. How many <laughs> likes do things get in the world? Yeah. Like we yeah, have good point. We have pursued likes in this world so much, but it becomes a temptation to not be authentic in order to get, quote, likes. And I think what this question is getting at is, God, if you read Psalm 139, you know God knows Mm -hmm. you through and Mm -hmm. through. Mm -hmm. Does God who knows me through and through, Mm -hmm. who doesn't buy any show that I try to put on to earn likes... Does he like me? And I think that is a, a beautiful question to take to prayer. Yeah, over, it is. you know, repeatedly and especially to ask the Lord to show you how he sees you, what does he like about you? It's it's a profound, life-changing question to yeah, take to prayer.
0: And and this is where the enemy's gonna attack in a particular way. So when we when we discover what the lord really likes about us, our uniqueness, uh, the particular beam of his glory that each of us is in this world. That's where the enemy's going to attack. And he often attacks through people close to us who who you know, whatever insecurities they might have may attack us when our very the very things that God likes about us are on display when they are. That's usually what gets what the enemy's after, so we can be aware of that too. Mm. Uh, I really, major thank you for this question. It took me on a on a bit of a journey. Mm. Um, and I, it shows me some things I need to take to prayer. And it's interesting, love, you and I have just developed a language in our own relationship where we'll say to each other, I don't only love you, I really like you. Like Because yeah. we, we know that that mm-hmm. says something in addition. Yeah. So, anyway... Those are our musings. Take them for what they're worth. I hope they were helpful. Thank you, Major, for that question. Yeah. Uh,
1: Our next question is from an anonymous listener. Dear Christopher and Wendy, thank you for your words of wisdom. My husband and I recently married. We dated five years on and off before marrying. Due to events that happened during our dating period, I had grown defensive and resentful but went through with the marriage because I believed I still did love him. Since being married, I have become angrier and more resentful of his past Mm. and how I was treated. Mm. He has changed for the better and is a different man today, but I cannot forgive him for the past, even though I desperately want to. I've not been treating him with respect or Mm, kindness. mm, mm. We got into a huge fight, and we both stated we did not love each other, and our relationship was dead. Mm. It has been devastating. Do you have words of comfort or advice on what the church offers for couples who are struggling like this in their marriage?
0: Wow. This is real, real business here. God bless you, dear sister. Um, I do have some thoughts. I just I really hesitate just to jump in as the answer man on such complex realities of the human heart, because we are so complex, uh, and there's so many layers here, and I don't want to just say, "Oh, here's the answer." Um, but an, an essential ingredient in the answer I'll put it that way an essential ingredient, and you're already on the way because you're already confessing to us that you are sinning against him, that you're being unkind to him. Um, And withholding forgiveness can become a sin. I want to explain what I mean. We have to honor the fact that it... Offering genuine forgiveness is a process that we have to go through, and there are stages in that process. And you are in those states. You're going through it. Uh, The the consolation I believe I can offer you is that if you keep going, um, there, there is a path here of experiencing genuine mercy where you come to realize to use a a common expression that I, I find very meaningful, and I have to return to it over and over again. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. In some ways, you've been holding his sin over his head. And in doing so, you have raised yourself above him as if you are not in need of the same amount of mercy that he is. Uh, we are all, the, and that's the expression, what it means. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We are all in need of God's mercy. All of us. Not only do you need to forgive him, but he needs to forgive you because you've pained one another. Obviously, I want to acknowledge and recognize that it sounds like, from what you're saying, reading between the lines, he has a, a sexual past that has really wounded you. And working through the stages of forgiveness means really reckoning with that pain, not pretending it's not painful. To say, I forgive you does not mean saying it's okay. We should never say it's okay. When someone asks for forgiveness, we should never say it's okay. I think that's a cop-out. If it were okay, there would be no need to ask for forgiveness. To say I forgive you is very different from saying it's okay. It means I release you from my judgment, and I surrender you to God's justice and mercy. Uh, I I release you from my justice. Right when when we want when we when we find it. I don't want to make a blanket statement. I would say one of the aspects that makes forgiveness difficult is we want to hold people to what we understand to be justice. And to the degree that our understanding of justice is just, uh, it's just to want to hold people to justice. But often our understanding of justice is very different than God's understanding of justice. His justice and his mercy are two sides of the same coin. And so we must ask the question, and I believe John Paul II says as much in his encyclical on mercy. He says something to this effect, is it just, just to be just? And he concludes, no, it is not just, just to be just, because part of justice is mercy. And when we find it difficult to show mercy, I think I can say this with certainty. When we find it difficult to show mercy, It is an indication that we have found it difficult to receive it, or we have not believed that we've needed it, and and we hold ourselves above others. And I would would invite you to ask yourself that question, to, to ask the Lord that question. Lord, show me the ways that I have been unjust to my husband. Not so much what are the ways that he's been unjust to you. You, you. I think it's pretty clear you already know that and feel that. But I think what will take you to that level ground at the foot of the cross is really to put the question to the Lord, Lord, how have I been unjust to my husband? How have I failed to love him as you love him? Because that's your call as his wife. And, and I'm, I'm familiar with anger. I'm familiar with building those walls when people have caused you pain. And I can also say I know what it's like to go on the long and difficult journey of saying, Lord, bring those walls down and teach me how to offer my pain that this person has caused me as intercession for this person who's caused the pain and I'd really invite you here, I've, I've shared this many, many times on the podcast, Catechism 2843, please spend time with it. It is so important. It's the last few lines of Catechism 2843 where it says, it's not in our power not to feel or to forget an offense when someone has hurt us. It's not in our power not to feel it and, not, and to forget it. But if we open ourselves, open our hearts to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit transforms that pain into compassion. That's the key, and it's a miracle of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit also, the catechism says, will transform the hurt into intercession. It's the only way out. It's the miracle of the cross. And that's what the church holds out to us. You've asked, what what hope does the church hold out for us? The cross, the cross. The cross is our hope. The cross and resurrection is our hope that our pain is, is redemptive, and that in the end, we're all in need of God's mercy, and if we're lifting ourselves above somebody else, that's why we find it hard to show mercy, because we don't realize our need for it. Oh, how liberating and freeing and painful it is to realize we've been in the wrong. (laughs) We have been in the wrong when we have refused mercy to others for the wrongs that they have done. We are heaping wrong upon upon wrong, and that's wrong. Lord, show us all your tender mercies. Those are my thoughts. Wendy, what do you want to add to that?
1: Mm. Something that has really helped me in processing it helped both of us, but I speak you know for myself. Um, times where I see my own sin, or when I'm looking at in my past where I've been hurt by someone else's sin, that concept that that God gave us good desires that the evil one has twisted up. Um, and so he's sought to take the good desires in us and direct them towards something that is Harmful to ourselves, to others, to God's plan for us. He loves to do that. And it causes us such confusion and it causes us such pain. And a huge help for me has been to, in looking at things that have hurt me, to ask the Lord to show me what was the good that this person who hurt me was seeking. Mm when he or she wow. sinned. And I you it is not a question that you can answer by you know asking around. Like it's really you really do need to wait for the Lord to reveal it if you keep that question open in your heart in the midst of what you're saying Christopher about interceding for the other, offering your pain to the Lord, you need to know That, well, I don't know if you need to know that. It is helpful. It is really helpful in releasing that root of bitterness when you finally come to understand he did those things. And I don't mean to say you need to excuse people for sin. It's not like finding an excuse, it's finding what's the deeper thing that was maybe completely obliterated it seems by this twisting mm-hmm. up but it's under there somewhere you know and that when the lord shines that light for us on what what's under it all what is the goodness the lord put in that person what's the goodness he put in me that has been twisted up there's such healing in that so i really encourage anybody listening who is identifying with this question about just being really unable to let go of a pain that 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 is an ingredient that i think is so helpful understanding lord you gave us good desires what happened yeah where is that good desire
0: yeah i, I i'll just say it again cuz it bears repeating Uh, And it's like refreshing, like you just hit the refresh button on this point, Wendy, with all that you said, that the pain is real. It's not about making excuses for people's sin. Um, I believe this woman wants to forgive her husband, but the pain is so real that it, it, like, how do we do justice to that pain? Can that, can that pain, can, can justice serve that pain? Like, what do we do with it? Um, it's almost like to forgive is to, to pretend the pain is not as painful. Uh, but I would say that true Christian forgiveness takes full stock of the depth of the pain. And finds precisely in the depth of the pain, the other side of justice, the other side of the coin, which is mercy. And it's our only way out. And it's a miracle of the, the Paschal mystery. It's the miracle of death and resurrection. And there is such, I can attest to this in my own experience, there is There is a supernatural joy that we can experience in opening our pain to Christ, uniting our pain with Christ, and offering our pain with Christ to the Father. When we experience that pain as redemptive, and the anger itself melts and becomes a river of mercy from our hearts and we experience that miracle what we are experiencing is is the paschal mystery the miracle of death and resurrection in our own lives it's like the it's like the lived experience of of good friday and and easter sunday there's no greater joy than easter sunday but there's no greater price to get to that joy which is the real pain of the crucifixion the hope the church holds out to this dear woman who's who's suffering greatly is precisely the paschal mystery. That that pain is redemptive pain united with Jesus, and your your sorrow will, will turn into joy, your mourning will turn into dancing. It's real. Mm. It's real. Mm. Lord, we lift up this dear woman. And the pain, the real pain of being sinned against, it's re- real. Ugh. It's real. That pain is real. Jesus knows it, and he's offered it to the Father already, and we ask that you would grant the grace to our dear sister to offer this pain to the Father, and she would experience in her very being, her person, her womanhood, this flow of of mercy, this flow of mercy, that she would recognize her own need for that flow of mercy for her own sins, but also experience that mercy overflowing to her husband. We, we just place this right in your open side, Jesus, where the font of mercy explodes for us all, that river of blood and water that we so desperately need. Let it be, Lord.
1: Yes, Lord. Amen. Our next question is also from an anonymous listener. I'm a young woman, and I often find myself desiring to be wanted by a certain young man who I'm not in a relationship with. I'm single. I do not want him to lust after me. I just want him to think I'm pretty. Mm, mm. I'll confess that sometimes I go fishing for compliments. (laughs) So human. (laughs) If he does compliment me, then I will often think of it in the future, and it makes me feel good to know that he said that.
0: Bless you. So human.
1: (laughs) Is this this a type of lust, pride, putting my worth in the wrong things? What? Please help me.
0: Bless you, bless you, bless you. Okay, I'm, I'm going to dip into my 70s catalog here. Oh, yeah. You know this one, Wendy. What? I want you to want me. I need you to need me. I'd love you to love me. Yeah, that. Who can't relate? Who can't relate? Um, what's going on here? Is it lust? Is it pride? It it could be twisted up. It, I mean, every good thing can get twisted up by our lust, by our pride, by our ego. Yeah. But just as Wendy was saying in the in her response to the previous question about how valuable it is to say, what is the good here? What is the good that might be getting twisted up in your case by, by sin? I can't say if it's getting twisted up because I don't have enough details. Based on what you're telling me, I'm just hearing your humanity. I'm just hearing that cry of your heart, of you very human, very beautiful cry of your heart to be known, to be acknowledged, to be recognized, to be affirmed, to be uh, held in in esteem. Um, Okay, I'll share, you know, from my own experience as a married man, if I were seeking that from some other woman in some preoccupied way, well, that, that would be taking something in my heart to a woman that's not my wife that would not be appropriate. Um, I don't know if it doesn't sound like she's married. She said she's young.
1: She said she's single.
0: She said she's single. Okay, so it, that doesn't apply to you. I'm just, I'm just trying to, to put out some boundaries there that this would be a, a situation where something would be off. Right? It's not off to, to recognize, oh, I found that compliment affirming. Uh, that would not be wrong for me to find a compliment affirming from some woman other than my wife, but am I preoccupied by it? Am I zooming in on it? Am I wanting more of it? Am I, am I feeding on it too much? Am I, and the, okay, then, then we're getting into issues. Um, and maybe you're feeding on it a little too much based on what you've shared with us. Maybe you're, you're going back, you're dipping in a little more. Um, th- th- let me put it this way. At its deepest level, that desire for affirmation of your person can only be met in a relationship with the Lord. Now, of course, the Lord will often use other people through whom he speaks to affirm us, right? So there's a, there's a, there's a question mark. Uh, is this the Lord affirming me through this person? It might be. If I'm going to put out a ca- – I want to – mostly I just want to say this is just your humanity. Yes. Is there need for caution? Yes, because every good thing in our humanity can get twisted up. If I see any need for caution, it's that you're, you're going back for more, like you're seeking it in a, in a direct way. Um, that could lead into a certain idolatrous bent in your heart towards this person. That could go astray. Is it going astray? It, it might be. It doesn't sound like it's a major – stray if it's a stray at all. That's how I'm hearing it. What are mm-hmm. you hearing, Wendy?
1: Yeah, it's true. It is a little hard to know, but I i was touched by just that uh, this young woman posed this question to us and is looking at her own heart and um just, uh, it's so honest. A part of me feels like it's like some of that raw materials of love, yeah, some of yeah. that Learning as you're becoming an adult woman versus a girl, you know, sort of that learning process of um, of how to interact with others. Like, there's something in me that that sees this listener as um, maybe um, just experiencing uh, some new developments, and she has a certain awareness of them that not everybody would acknowledge and there's something dear about her taking the time to acknowledge like gosh this is this is a change in me or like what am i doing here what is this you know and um i so i i feel like all of that is fruitful and good and i think um i can relate to some of it you know yeah. like i remember i was i was really young like in middle school but i remember one time i i wore this um ribbon in my hair to school and um a guy in my class commented on it like, oh you look nice today. Aww. And Aww. then the <laughs> next time I wore that, how much I hoped he would say uh, it again. Uh, but he uh. didn't he didn't say it again. <laughs> he was like, oh you know, that that's just, you know, just those little things of like made me feel good, made me feel seen, seen and yes. pretty and all that. So I can relate to I, that.
0: I don't think I ever heard that story.
1: I love that story.
0: (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) That's really beautiful. Uh, Anyway. I think we should clarify for some of the listeners uh, what you meant by that raw material of love. Yeah. Is it okay if I... Yeah, yeah. um, The raw material of love is an expression from John Paul's book, Love and Responsibility. Again, again, don't forget the class, the online version of our Love and Responsibility class. Check out the link in the show notes, March what was it?
1: Eleventh to 22nd. Thank you.
0: Eleventh to the 22nd. Uh, and what he means is these emotions we have, these desires, these attractions, this need for affirmation, this is all, he says, the raw material of love. It can be built into love, but it can also be built into its direct opposite, which is using others for our own good feelings that we get. So that's a caution, right? Uh, Are you using this guy just to get these good feelings? It doesn't sound like you are, but it could get there. So it's just a, we we need to hold all those emotions, desires, attractions, affections. We need to hold them together, JP2 says, with the correct gravitational pull, which is always the recognition of the dignity and value of the person, Hmm. both our own person and the other person. Right. So... Hold that together and I think you'll find the right gravitational pull for all this and it will lead to to beautiful things and you don't have to be scrupulous about it or overly concerned about it. Just aware as you already are, as Wendy pointed out, which I think is a a great sign. Most people just go through their day and don't even think of these things. Don't give it any attention. The fact that you're even giving it attention shows a certain self-knowledge already that you know, don't get Don't get hung up on hyper-examining it, just keep it open to the Lord and you're in a good place.
1: Mm, Yeah.
0: Well, everybody, that brings us to a close. I hope you were blessed by what you heard today. And if you were, please share this episode and remember it because it's true. You are an indispensable, irreplaceable, unrepeatable gift of life and love become what you are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute, with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you're going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes.